This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. You're season two. Today's guest is Perry Huang. Coach Huang is an assistant coach for the WNBA champion Seattle Storm. We talked to him today about understanding the grind, being trusted as a coach, how not to take anything for granted, that talent will get you extra chances, and that you should empower people. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. How's it going? Coach, I really do appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on with us, uh, making the time uh, to, to be here. I know you're coming off just a fantastic experience with the Seattle Storm winning the WNBA championship. Uh, it's just a phenomenal situation and how everything's worked out for you that it's not your first and it's probably definitely not your last. So I'm just here again excited to bring you on. And uh, so my first question is, is the same question I ask every guest to start off the podcast in that, how are you introduced to the game of basketball? Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> it's gracious for you to say uh, about the championship part because definitely it's a, uh, it's a definitely a difficult and arduous journey to get to that point. Um, yeah. So I think once you, when you win one of those, and uh, I know there's lots of, coaches that go through their careers that you know only get one or maybe get none um but you take a take a second to reflect back and i know uh, i've been lucky to go through two uh with the storm 2018 and 2020 this year and then i also uh was with the golden state warriors um g league team when they won the championship um yeah. in 2014 i believe it was yeah. and just was within that organization when the warriors was just kind of building up their you know, quote unquote dynasty. Um, so every time you kind of reach those uh, accolades, um, the mountaintop, you take it back and reflect. And uh, for me, I, I, like I always look back, I didn't really even think about coaching. Um, when I graduated college, I played at a, a D2 here on California, Fresno Pacific. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm probably, hindsight, I probably should have recognized that I was going to lead into some sort of basketball type uh, job uh, eventually just based off of uh, the way I was thinking the game you know I would be very very focused on scan reports uh, I would always be very curious and very attentive when coaches were talking about you know how this player plays or how we want to attack this team and you know the type of sets they run and even in my head I was like hey what like I didn't actually actually say it, but I'd be like, if we got it this way, you know, how to be different. And, you know, there was even one point where the coaches had me run down a scouting report before we played a team. Um, so just looking back at that, I probably should have known I was going into basketball, but I didn't. I was stubborn and, um, and more so I was just trying to appease, uh, you know, the, the social norms, I guess, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming out of college is, you know, you're going to get a job, a nine-to-five job, an office job. My my major at that point was being a um, business major, and I was like, all right, cool, let's, let's go after this thing and see how it goes. But, you know, slowly but surely, you know, you're 
you know, applying to these jobs or you're studying for tests uh, to get you certifications for certain jobs. And then on the side, you're creeping on YouTube, looking at highlight videos, or you're creeping on YouTube. And then you come across like coaching clinics and you start reading these things. And then so you get the itch. You're still playing. You know, you're fresh out of college. You go play open gyms. You still have the itch. And then, you know, uh, I guess just one day one of my buddies he got the job at at just a local high school and they just wanted me to help him out as a freshman coach. And so I helped him out and we kind of just like co-coached the team. And I like thoroughly enjoyed that that year. And then um, the next year I got a job as a head coach for a uh, uh, JV team out in this area as well. And then did very well there and got a chance to kind of run my own ship and do, do my things my way. And um, next thing I knew, my head coach from college um, got a job down in San Diego, and then he offered me kind of like my foot into college coaching, which I, at that point, to be really honest with my whole career, I've never, I, I guess I've never had like a um, end goal, I guess you'd say. Like, these are all pipe dreams. Things that I've had have been like pipe dreams, like working in the NBA has been a pipe dream, working the G, whatever, working the WNBA, all of that stuff was not even possible in that realm and still a lot of it is surreal to me so yeah. at that point I was just like I just love coaching I just yeah. like to be around basketball so I just took that job and it kind of just from there um, kind of took off and uh, you know it was a process and I'm not, I'm not going to say it had an immediate success and I'm not going to say it was uh, the gratification was just coming from being around the players and helping them develop it definitely wasn't monetary for sure yeah. uh, um, so um Went there, and then uh, next job was at a JUCO back here in Monterey, and then I kind of got connected with um, the Warriors organization through some summer camps and got introduced to their G League uh, head coach, and he offered me a job there uh, to do kind of the video stuff. And uh, at that point, I was like, you know, I kind of set a goal. I wanted to be in Division One, uh, try to get in Division One. so I think the only way I could do that at that point was, you know, get to know the video side. And so... Um, from then on, it's kind of where it snowballed. Uh, the next year, they offered me a full-time spot, <clears throat> and then did some stuff uh, doing being an advanced scout for some European teams, for some Japanese teams, some Chinese teams, and then uh, Storm came calling, and then started working with them in 2018, and I won the championship, worked with the Suns, Geo team, uh, went back to the Storm for the summertime, and got a job with the Erie Bayhawks, which is the Pelicans G League team uh, last year, and then yeah. back with the Storm this year. Well, there you have it, Coach. And now we, well, I'll let you go. You have a good day. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that was crazy. All the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it right there, man. <laughs> but that's good stuff, man. I mean, that, that's fantastic because. You you run all that down, and for some some people listening might have just gotten winded just by hearing all that, and uh, kind of like like you said, it's kind of still surreal to you to be in these spaces that you have been, I should say, and then now where you're at with the Seattle Storm, uh, you know, you're saying they're all pipe dreams, and and I think a lot of us uh, as coaches, as just lovers of the game. We dream like that. That's how we go about our life. That's how we compete in life. And then to actually those dreams come to fruition is definitely something that, uh, man, it says a lot about who we are and how we can kind of manifest things at times. If we just kind of believe in ourselves, believe in the process, love the process, trust the process, all that good stuff. So 
I'm glad you ran it down like that. That was really good, right? Uh, it was all kind of encompassing in the condensed form of your career, so it was great. But but I do kind of want to backtrack a little bit, if I can. Uh, as a player, right, at Fresno Pacific and even in high school, like what was your experience with the game? How did you see it through, you know, your lens? Not just, you know, you come out of high school, go play college ball and kind of that, like, how were you coached? All that thing, all, all that kind of stuff. How, how did, how was, what was your experience like? Um, I have to say that um, I was not, I've never been the most self-aware person. You know, I, I'm in the moment, I'm not that self-aware. So like, it always takes me in hindsight. And that's why I said like in hindsight in college, I should have known that I would probably take the coaching route at some point or just be in basketball at some point. Yeah. Um, I think in, in high school, I mean, it wasn't, this area that I am in uh, Monterey is not a hotbed for basketball. I'd say, you know, we've had yeah. a couple of good players, one player that has, is playing in the Euro league right now, one player that's uh, been drafted in the NBA. But like outside of that, like for the most part, this is not a hotbed for basketball. And so I, a lot of the stuff that I kind of took with myself, I, I just taught to myself. Like I was in the gym all the time. I just, kind of figured things out. I was like, if this is logical, I should move here when the ball's here. And this is logical, I should move here. Like, when this guy penetrates there, like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, I just, in my head, I just always created these things and uh, and just uh, just out of uh, a comfort level of playing the game, like, I just naturally moved to these journeys. So when, like, I, when I went to college and they started teaching me these things, quote-unquote, as principles, I was like, oh, well, I don't know this is like, a principle. I thought this is what you did on basketball. Like, that's mm-hmm. you know, you read the game. So um, it was neat to kind of see that uh, develop over my career, just to see those little things. And I wasn't, you know, the fastest, quickest, and the highest. I definitely had to rely a lot on cerebral uh, acuteness. So I think um, that definitely helped me in just learning the game and just trying to find any material, like, getting little tidbits in Slam magazine or reading an article in Sports Illustrated, like finding little things like saying, you know, Michael Jordan used to get so many shots up or this is what he did for way. Like just every little thing I could take, I would try to implement that in as a player yeah. in my like regimen or whatever it was. So and then when I moved to college, it was kind of the same process. And now you're open to a whole different world. You're open to a whole different network and now it's like now you just keep upgrading because it's you know just more advanced techniques now yeah. you know the more advanced uh, knowledge and more advanced scouting and all this stuff so i think having a good um i won't say that i, I won't say that my high school coaches like didn't do me any services you know they taught me the stuff that i need to be taught at that point yeah you know but i think my college coaches really are the ones that uh kind of gave me the knowledge and the the confidence to know that like I was doing the right things and that like I could learn this game and I could be a really good player not at a high level but if I just kind of uh, took control of you know, the, the cerebral part of the game and made that like the biggest part of uh, who I was. That's great. The IQ part. I think there's a. I, I don't think there's enough said about the IQ part. I think it it. it it's always overshadowed by talent and raw talent and ability and athleticism. But at the end of the day, that IQ, man, it's, it's always going to win the long game. And, uh, and it's appreciated by basketball purists, if you will. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be a basketball snob in a sense, but I consider myself a purist to a degree. 
and I do I, I overly appreciate I probably give too much credit to the to the uh, mental and then the IQ I really do I just think it's there's so much uh, to be explored because it transitions or trans it translates into life uh, so much so that uh, it, it's it's its own little category and it just means a lot so yeah I hear, I hear what you're saying and that's great that your college coaches had that wherewithal uh, to kind of help you in that direction because you talked about earlier about social norms like what you know I'm gonna have to do this now I'm gonna have to do that but you kind of broke out of that and, and mm-hmm. found something that you were good at that you didn't know maybe so that's great that's, that's fantastic yeah. right and uh, yeah. because I think we all find ourselves in, in moments like that where we're like well I didn't even realize I could like like exhibit a this podcast I've been coaching for I've been coaching for 25 years and all of a sudden I was like hey let me start a podcast <laughs> and then I did it and I was like wow this is pretty good I like this, this is fun so now 100 and something episodes later here I am so yeah I, yeah. I, I you find you find yourself in some of these things and it's a it's, it's really a joy now I want to ask you about if you have any memorable moments or recall memorable memorable if you recall a memorable moment in your first experience as a coach? Um, I think, I don't know if there's like memorable, like just one singular moments, I guess, but it just be just a collective whole. Um, you know, I think I find a lot of joy when, uh, when I was coaching younger players and, you know, maybe, telling them to work on something or showing them a new skill and, you know, them uh, working on it continuously in practice or on their own and you see them just doing it and then finally seeing them, you know, translate it to a game. I think that's very fulfilling uh, yeah. as a younger, um, for the younger players. Uh, you know, I think even when I started working in the G League, uh, there's just, there's obviously little moments here or there. Like, it, and it wasn't even necessarily coaching wise it's just now you're with like older players and now you're with sometimes players that are your age so now you're connecting on them with on a different level and it's a collaboration so uh, a lot of times when you end up collaborating it's the same i to me like at the professional level collaborating and coaching is kind of the same thing so when you tell a player you show a player like hey this is what i think you can do better like this is I know you've been doing this this certain way, you know, your whole career, but, you know, if you do it this way, uh, you know, let's, let's see how it goes. You know, you got nothing else. We're shooting for the stars. We're trying to get you to the NBA or the Euro League or whatever, but let's try it this way and see what happens, you know. And when they kind of they feel that trust in you um, to be able to implement that in their game, I think that goes a long way. And um, I think just the trust that develops between a player and coach is – very hard to develop um and i think it's something that's taken granted taken for granted sometimes um and i think all players need confidence and you know that trust from a coach whether it's an assistant coach or head coach goes so such a long way when they they know you're in their back corner they know that you're fighting for them they know that you have their best interest at heart and so they just kind of let it go when they release everything and they're just like all right we're just gonna I'm just going to listen to you, coach, and do what you tell me. Like, that's that's a great feeling to see them, like, trust you like that. Yeah, no, trust is everything, especially when, you know, you're talking about the pro level where money's involved, livelihoods are involved, 
if there's not that trust, I mean, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle. I do like what you said about collaboration. I always pick that word to collaborate over, uh, to, you know, conforming or cooperate. Like, right. you know, as an educator as well for myself, I never want to think my students, my players, whoever needs to just cooperate. Like, I want to collaborate with them so they don't feel like it's they're all on their own. And, and it's just a, a shared experience, a shared vision, and then at the end of the day, a, a shared success. And I think that's, right. uh, I mean, it's so simple, yet I think we overlook it. And so it's, it's fantastic to hear you say those things because it's uh, super important. Now, uh, I want to kind of ask you about your experiences. Uh, you talked about high school, JUCO, uh, college level, G League, all that. What was that, you know, in your experiences as a coach to this point or prior to being with Seattle Storm, uh, how did that, how did all those experiences help you now uh, with where you're at? It, it shaped me, it made me not take for granted what I have, and I don't, I don't think I'll ever will. Uh, it made me realize, like, what a struggle it is to be in this industry and yeah. how, like, how you really do have to love the game and you know as you yeah like as yourself you said you coached for a number of years and you've probably seen so many people on the you know coming up especially when you're younger than maybe you met during the camp Mm -hmm. uh, you know when you're in your 20s and um where they're like just fresh face they're ready to go rearing to go but you know when something doesn't go their way they just kind of bail or they just decide they want to go a different route you know Uh, and I think there's something to be said for how much um, how much time is put forth for every coach that has made it you know past (laughs) five years of coaching honestly uh, because it is it's a process it's uh, you know I can remember you know, in high school, like I said, high school, most high school coaches, it isn't their first job, right? You yeah, know, unless yeah, you yeah. get lucky to be working at a high-level prep school or something, or you're working at a private school, it probably isn't your first job, so you're doing it because it's the love of your game and the love of the game. And I think even in college, like as an assistant coach, you know, some, if, unless you're at a Division One, there's most Division Twos or any high schools or whatever, they're barely making ends meet and probably – gonna have to get a second job just to you know cover the rent and stuff like that so yeah um i think all those little things having to work you know two different jobs having to have (laughs) three other sources of income you know having to um just fight for this dream um that you believe in but you know maybe some other people are uh that are so-called in your corner or maybe some people that are around you uh, are kind of questioning you. They they still love and support you, but they question uh, why you know why why put yourself through this this type of um, grueling timetable time like just day after day. You're just waking up at early hours and going to this job and this job just to do this. And it's I mean it's hard for me to explain. You probably understand that most coaches understand. You just do it because you love it. Yeah. And I think for um, for me, it's like every time I anything even gets remotely hard. Like if anything just creeps in my mind that says, Oh, I don't really want to do that today. Like that's hard. Like I just think back to where I wasn't getting paid for nothing, none of the stuff that I'm doing now. And so, um, like I just don't, I don't ever take any of that for granted. I just remember how hard the long nights, uh, days that didn't even have to do with basketball. You know, the days where I'm doing laundry, the days where I'm cleaning up the equipment room, the days where I'm, you know, just, calling 
players, hey, can you want to come to our school? We're just recruiting and all that stuff. So it's like uh, all that stuff just makes me that much more grateful for uh, the accomplishments that I've had so far. That's fantastic. You know, you kind of have a heart of gratitude or, or an attitude of gratitude. And uh, that in and of itself takes you a long way to say, hey, you know what? I, I don't take anything for granted. I understand the grind. I love the grind. I'm I'm married to it to a degree. Uh, and, and I just won't give it up, you know. And that's, like you said, a lot of coaches can, can understand that. Because we do love the game, and I think for for some, for most of us, I want I want to give a lot of coaches credit for this, but I think most of us we enjoy being around people, we enjoy teaching people, and we just enjoy people. Period. So I think that's part of it as well, and I think that interpersonal uh, interaction as well is is just a huge bonus and plus. It makes the days uh, like you talked about the long hours, early mornings. The crazy things they're doing for nothing, you know, for free or seemingly for free, like volunteer volunteer work. Uh, right. You know, it's all worth it at the end of the day. So, I appreciate you bringing Absolutely. that up because that is that is the the grind of a coach, of a good coach. But that way, there's some bad coaches. They got it easy, and, and, and kudos to them for getting that cush job and getting cake all day. But. Uh, the rest of us are, are we're not so we didn't start on third base if you will so trust me i know <laughs> so i want to ask you because you you talked about you know your scouting with european uh teams japanese chinese all the teams that you worked with at the professional level even with the uh you know the eerie bayhawks i think right in, in the in the g league and santa cruz and your whole professional development, if you will, and how you've evaluated players and seen them come and go, uh, other than talent coach, what separates a pro, you know, an athletic, talented, you know, player from an actual professional player who's kind of doing all the right things and maintaining uh, balance? What's the difference or what separates each of those? Uh, this might end up being a long-winded answer, but uh, <laughs> I've got time. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I, honestly, a lot of it that, and to be honest, like this year with the Erie Bayhawks, it was it was the first year the Pelicans had a had a G League team, and it was the first time they were implementing things, and it was the first time they were, you know, inviting G League type players to their training camp with the Pelicans, and so. Um, and then kind of being able to contrast that with the Seattle Storm players is amazing. And maybe there's something to be said about you know, female players or just females in general being, you know, just <laughs> more on top of stuff than maybe us <laughs> male counterparts are. Yeah. But honestly, I think that to, to separate what's a professional from just a pro is just anything to do with not basketball, honestly. A lot of it has to do with just your professionalism off the court. Um, yeah. You know, there's stories that I've heard where, especially in the G League, it's like some players were fringe fringe NBA guys and they got sent down to the G League. The owner of that G League team, you know, loves to come to games and sits courtside and is cheering you on, you know, and this guy that's an NBA fringe player, he's gracious enough to always say hi to him, always be the guy that's volunteering to go to social events with the owner, always be the first person up to 
do this and that versus, you know, the other 10 guys on the team are like, nah, I'm not doing that. You know, I got better things to do. I'm going to go play video games. Like those little things. And I've heard stories of those type of NBA fringe guys getting jobs, getting contracts because later on they don't know that that owner is eventually going to be a billionaire and ends up buying the, Milwaukee Bucks, and wow. hey, I, I remember this guy. He was on my G League team. You know, he was professional. He was nice to everybody in our staff. He was willing to go to all these events. Like, you know, I, I'm going to sign him to a contract, and maybe he's not worth that contract. You never know. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, is like a lot of people, fans and uh, fans of the NBA, they'll be like, you know, why is this guy signing for this? You know, eight million dollar contract per year for five years. Like, he's not worth that. It's like. Some of it doesn't have to do with basketball. And wow. a lot of times, I think a lot of us don't, a lot of us know people that are good enough to play in the NBA. I think yeah. uh, anybody of us, any one of us who's grown around basketball probably has at least one or two people that we know. It's like, man, that, that guy, he had it. And he's, yeah. he, he could go get it. Like, he had the juice. Yeah. But then it's like, but he couldn't, he couldn't show up on time to class. He couldn't make it to class. He couldn't pass his classes. He couldn't do this he, he wouldn't do extra get extra work in you know uh and then same thing at the pro level you know this guy has it but you know he's kind of a jerk to the media media people he's kind of a jerk yeah. to the coaching staff he can't remember a play like those little things add up over time and you know talent only gets you so far talent what talent does is talent gets you extra chances wow talent gets you chances that other people that are less talented like myself won't get you know i can i can if I get a DUI tonight as a coach, I'm probably done for a good while, probably forever. Yeah. Versus you name a former NBA player that's a coach right now, and if he gets the DUI, it's yeah, it's whatever. It's, it's going to make a sports center that night, but you know, <laughs> it gets swept, swept on the rug. He'll keep getting jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think talent will get you jobs. Talent will get you opportunities. But to separate a pro from a professional, it's it really has to do with uh, a lot. Uh, none of basketball to be honest and even on the basketball court it's you have to be uh sharpening your craft you have to be willing to be committed to be the best you can be you have to know the scouting report you have to know the rotations defensively you got to know uh, all your sets you got to know uh you know the player your guarding's tendency especially if you're a fringe nba guy if you're a guy that's only going to get five minutes or eight minutes a game you got to know like the littlest things because you can't make any mistakes. So yeah. uh, I think all those little things add up. But um, I guess, like I said, to answer your question, I think more of it has to do with just being a professional off the court than it uh, has to do with on court. Fantastic. That that was a great breakdown. And it's kind of what I was, was kind of fishing for there because that's something that I hear from a lot of coaches, especially – NBA coaches is like there's a difference between a pro and a professional just like there is in, 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 in the coaching industry, just like there is in teaching, just like there is in any profession in life. Like, yeah, you're a pro by name, but you're not a professional. Like you don't handle yourself accordingly. Uh, and, and you're not, uh, uh, there's no standard for you. And if there is, it's below most of our standards. And so, yeah, that's why I asked that question. And, and like what you said, man, talent gets you extra chances. That's 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 uh, phenomenal and monumental. It should be on a shirt uh, <laughs> because that is just the truth. Like you talked about, there's some guys that, that you feel like, man, they're not worth that. Well, to that owner, they are. 
and he's the one yep. signing or she's the one signing the checks. So if that's worth it for them, I think about my Cowboys here in Dallas and in Texas, and I don't. I just I see a lot of things, and I'm like, man, all that money. Well, that owner has a lot of money to disposable income, I guess. And so, <laughs> so, so you think about those type of things, uh, and just you know, a professional says, "Hey, I'm gonna go the extra mile. I'm gonna do some of the things nobody else wants to do." And uh, yeah, so that's great, man. I appreciate that. Now, it, it, the WNBA bubble, like I've, I've heard, I've heard uh, if, from the NBA side of it, I've heard a lot of things, but I, I don't, don't know what's true, what's not true. But what was your experience in the WNBA bubble? I loved it, to be honest. Um, saying that, <laughs> now I, I actually arrived later than uh, some of my. Uh, counterparts um you know i think just with the myriad of things and not not knowing how the dub bubble was going to go and not and that the league having restrictions on you know travel parties and how many people they had per team go there uh, kind of delayed my arrival there and then um i maybe if i'd spent an extra month there i would probably have something completely different to tell you but uh, <laughs> to be honest i loved it like because you're around basketball and i think the one thing about uh being in the bubble is that you're just around basketball all day and if you're a person that just loves basketball I guess that's a true testament of if you love basketball or not and uh, if you can handle it I think you do love it um, I mean not not to say like if you don't you don't need a mental break you do need mental breaks in the bubble but like it's just every day you're waking up you're going to practice you're going to your workout you're going to the room, whatever it is you're seeing players from the other team you're seeing coaches from the other team that you, you're going to play that night at breakfast. So you're trying to avoid them. You're trying to sit across the room in the ballroom because you don't want them to hear what you're saying, vice versa. And then, um, you know, you're seeing referees. That's even, even more different. You know, you're seeing referees right, right. hang out. And, you know, we had a referee that lived across the hall from us and he was having, you know, parties. Cause you know, the referees only have to work every couple of days. They don't yeah. have to work every day like us. Um, you know, they see them, you know, riding around their bikes or in the swimming pool and stuff like that. And, uh, just basically just seeing anybody and everybody that had to do with the WNBA every single day. And I likened it to the G league because in the G league, most people probably don't know or are unfamiliar with the G league is that like, once you're in a city, you're, you're, you're kind of living with players live with, you know, each other because usually the team provides the housing and then coaches kind of live together too because, again, the team provides the housing. So um, you're just every day, all day long, you're literally around each other, going to practice, you know, getting food together, cooking together, whatever it is, then you're going on road trips together. Like, you just can't get away from each other. And it's the same thing in the WNBA, the bubble, as uh, you just, you're literally with each other, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, like, you just can't get away from anybody. But yeah. for me, I loved it. And then it's, I was... It was a joy because not only are you around people that, and we had a great team, not saying that anybody else had a better team than us, like in terms of chemistry or anything like that. But like, I love my, I love my, uh, the staff that we work with. I love our players. I love all, everything about it. Um, and so it just makes it that much easier when you're around a group of people that you know, just genuinely enjoy being around each other. You know, do we have our moments here and there? We want to tear each other's heads off, but you know, it's still <laughs> going to be still a fun, fun atmosphere to be. And I think uh, just for everybody, it's, it was a good way to bond. It's 
because hopefully we knock on wood. You know, no one's there's no, there's not going to be a 2021 bubble, or hopefully not, or 2022 yeah. bubble. Like yeah. you're hoping this is just a once in a lifetime thing that you know we all got to share with each other. It's kind of something that it's a memento, you know, in our coaching careers or playing careers, whatever it may be. But yeah. It, it was fun to me. I, I loved it, every bit of it. That's fantastic. And you're, and you're, you know, the storm. You're rolling with Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, uh, Lauren Jackson, some names, some people, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, right. it, it's, they're, they're, I don't know how to put it other than, it's almost like summer camp where you've got everybody together. You're bonding most of the time. Because when you go on trips, long trips, you have to, there's no way for you not to bond unless you just completely don't like the other person and, and then that your mind's made up already in judgment and that's it. But uh, right. it seems like that was just to be surrounded by, by those great players and, and that you know, is coach Hughes. I mean, just a great situation. So yeah, I'm sure you enjoyed it. Maybe some other people didn't because uh, they didn't have right. the same, you know, uh, I guess a, a support system and group around them. But for, uh, thankfully mm-hmm. for yourself now, I want to ask you about the team itself. What does this Seattle Storm team mean to you? Uh, a lot of it has to not do with basketball. I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think just to, not to get super off topic outside of basketball, but just the social justice initiative. Yeah. Um, not only that, but like just the female side of it. And for myself, I was. Uh, educated a lot more about, you know, female victims, gun yeah. violence, or uh, just traffic stops, or female victims that uh, have been you know, gunned down because they had mental disorders that were not treated correctly. Um, like, those little things I was made more aware of, and I think anybody that was a fan, anybody that watched was made aware of those things. And I think to be to be a professional athlete, to actually be, it's one thing to do this in your off season, but it's a whole nother element when you're having to do it in season. And, yeah. uh, you know, to Sue's credit, to Stewie's credit, like, um, to everybody in, in the bubble that had to not only go to practice, but, you know, had the rest of their schedules filled up with interviews with this person and that person and having to, um, advocate for, you know, voting, voting rights, advocating for a certain candidate in uh, a state. Um, it's, it was something to see, just to see, or just to observe, like, everybody at work. Um, I, I don't know how they did it, to be honest. And, you know, some of them are, are parents, too, you know. And outside of the Seattle Storm team, you know, Candace Parker, take, for example, uh, De'Erica Hammy, take, for example, like, those are two names that – they had to be moms too. Yeah, you know yeah. they had and Ken, and Candace Parker was doing TNT NBA on TNT or yeah. NBA TV, like yeah. so she was staying up till two a.m. in the morning and on top of being a mom, on top of being a professional athlete, on top of being a social justice advocate. Like how many more <laughs> jobs do you need to fall under yeah. one hat? You know what I mean? Wow. So, uh, but I think in terms of this team, uh, it's very special just to see them come together because we never. In 2018, we won it, and uh, for you know your listeners that probably that may not know about our history or just what happened last year was that Stewie ended up rupturing her Achilles yeah. uh, last year overseas in the Euroleague and ended up missing the season, and then Sue had surgery on her knee, and so she was out for the season. So you know we're sitting here 
thinking that we're going to have a chance to defend our title in 2019 and, you know, it doesn't come to fruition. We still have a pretty good team. We still make the playoffs, but, you know, we don't get that full chance. So I think this year was like the redemption year of uh, Stewie and Sue where you know, they came back healthy. And even Sue had to fight a lot of things. She she only played 11 regular season games. Yeah, She was fighting that a certain knee, a different type of knee injury this time. And uh, just the perseverance, the grit, the grind, the everything. They just had the mental fortitude. And I, that was the message at the very beginning of the season was that this this season will be a grind. You know, it may only be three months, but this season will be unlike any others. This season will probably be go down as one of the toughest championships ever, if not the toughest because of all of these distractions, all of these outside uh, things that were going on, not only in the basketball world, but just in, in our lives in general. So I think uh, to be able to overcome all of those obstacles uh, and reach the top again and you know say that you know, we did it the right way, say that we um, you know, came back stronger than ever, uh, I think that says a lot about this team. This, this will definitely be a memorable one. If I never win a championship again, um, this will be this will probably be the one that I remember the most, no matter what. Fantastic! You may stumble onto another one because it seems like you <laughs> like you talked about with Santa Cruz and then with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you, you just may stumble onto another one, Coach. So here again, you, you're living in that surreal bubble. Um, that 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 is a great kind of breakdown of what a team is through a season, even if it's in a, in a condensed form. Uh, three months like you talked about. I mean, because if you think about it, what could have been last year? Could have been three in a row. I mean, it's just crazy to think about stuff like that and, and what what you, you guys could have accomplished. But what you did accomplish was, like you said, redemption. And uh, that sense of redemption, that sense of unfinished business, that is one heck of a way to go into a season. Uh, fire, you're just fired up and everybody's healthy. It's even better. Now, I would ask you, Coach, you know, Dan Hughes, he was here in San Antonio for a good good amount of time, you know, just did a phenomenal job with the uh, defunct stars. And, uh, you know, we hated to see him go, uh, the team in general as well. Uh, but I would ask you, under his leadership, what principles of leadership have you learned from him? I think it's... Uh, being able to empower people more than anything else. Um, you know, I, I personally have never been the type of person to micromanage somebody. Uh, even as a coach, I'm not going to micromanage the players and every little thing on the court. Um, I think for him, he's no matter where he's been, I think if you ask anybody, he's been a great job. He's done a great job of empowering people and playing to everybody's strengths. Um, he understands their weaknesses and he just tries to steer you away from that. And he just, he kind of puts you in this, uh, uncomfortable bubble or uncomfortable area, um, where you're just, you're unsure of, you're almost unsure of yourself. You know, you're unsure. Like, uh, am I capable of this? Um, (laughs) should I do this? Uh, should I like take the initiative to do this? Um, like he doesn't, he doesn't, make you feel bad about yourself at all. He just, he, he has full confidence in your skill set and your ability to do whatever it is that you're called upon to do for the team. And he just has this innate ability of just 
kind of <laughs> kind of dangling the care in front of you like this is what I'll give you yeah but you kind of figure out the rest of the way you know you I'll give you like the head start I'll give you the you know header but you kind of finish the rest or I'll give you the first paragraph and you kind of finish the rest nice. and so I think he's done a great job of uh, over the years of, uh, with this team especially is just getting people outside the comfort zone to a point where they're empowered to take over everything, especially the players to take over as take over the team as uh, as a whole and as a unit with um, little little to uh, or less coaching from the staff. You know, we'll again we'll collaborate with you. We'll provide you the necessary uh, you know details uh, for games or scouting or whatever. But at the end of the day, you guys are the ones that execute. So you guys kind of figure out what works best for you guys. And I yeah. think, and I'm not saying this will work for every team, to be honest. And maybe if, if it was a younger team, yeah. you probably want to, you know, kind of tighten the reins a little bit. You kind of want to be like, hey, we want X, Y, and Z or ABC. Like, we want it done this exact way. But I think for a team that's maybe more of a veteran, maybe a veteran type team, a team that has championship aspirations, I think that's when you kind of take the reins or pull off the reins a little bit and kind of let everybody figure out their roles. Yeah, when you got. You know, you got people like Sue Bird in your locker room, uh, you know, that they're, they're going to kind of keep things in place. You know, you talked about Stewie. Uh, they come from championship pedigree. Like, that's that's what they do. You know, you basically have the same team, uh, a, a good remnant from the team from 18. Yeah, and you're going to you're gonna coach differently. Uh, and, and, you, and you can be that, uh, like you said, empower uh per person like that's huge for for you know every coach to want that to be said of them every head coach for sure is to say hey they empowered people they didn't just tell people what to do they weren't just like an authoritarian or whatever like they really empowered you and they didn't micromanage and then that's just a great great thing to be said of any coach and so what you said i expected to hear about coach hughes because i always heard great things about him since I've known of him, don't know him personally, but I've known of him, and uh, that's fantastic, Coach. Now, I would ask you about winning the championship, right? Like, it's another surreal experience for you. Uh, how does winning this championship, or what does this championship mean to you compared to the first? I uh, kind of touched on it. I think number one for just the team was just redemption, uh, it's just getting a chance to somewhat defended you know some people will say we didn't technically defend it but like you know obviously we didn't have a full team in 2019 like i said but that's number one is just redemption um number two is just uh you kind of didn't uh you kind of didn't think this was real because not only like after last year we didn't get a chance to defend it but this year it's like you have all these things going on we didn't even know if we were going to have a season we didn't know when our season would start we didn't know how long we'd be or where we would be like there's so many unknowns and just to reach that point to where like oh crap like we just won a championship like uh you know it's it was again a surreal moment like you said because i don't think it took me it took it always takes a second for it to hit me you know that we win a championship um, but it's this time it took even longer just because it's like it just didn't feel real because we're not we're not in Seattle celebrating we're not whatever city that we might have wanted celebrating we're just in the same spot that we have been in the last 
three months, you know, yeah. you know, and we're seeing the same people, you know, it's not, we don't get to see our fans. We don't get to see, you know, our owners ended up coming and celebrating with us. But even then it was like, they can't come inside the bubble. You know, we're just celebrating with ourselves. We don't really have a bunch of family members there with us to share with the joy and the experience. Yeah. And, um, so there was a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a hold back, I guess. Um, just seeing all this, even, even during the, the trophy ceremony or the handing of the trophy, it was just weird because, you know, the cameras panned to us. It looks like, you know, you would, if you couldn't tell, like, you would think there's fans, you know, behind the cameras, but there wasn't. We were just yeah. staring at all, like, the clock operators and the ESPN crew. Like, it was just, it was a very weird feeling just seeing that. But at the end of the day, I think uh, it still doesn't beat the feeling of winning a championship. Like, it's still, oh. it still was, yeah, it's, it still overcame all of that. And um, it's, it's just still a, a tremendous feeling to have for sure. Yeah, like uh, watching the Lakers win. It's like they had that little huddle and they were bouncing up and down, and it was kind of like we're, they're trying to generate more momentum for an excitement and rile themselves up. And so I think they were experiencing the same thing as well. But you know, yeah. a chip is a chip, man. Like you, can, <laughs> you know, there's no, yeah. it, and it'll, and I think you know from what I hear about you know, the experiences is that you really don't feel it till later. So it is at, in the moment, yeah, that elation uh, is there and all that, but it, it's almost magnified later on when you realize, whoa, what did we just do, you know? <laughs> and so that's fantastic, you know, that you would be able to experience that, uh, you know, three times over, you know, in, in, in that situation. Now, uh, I want to ask you about your support system because all coaches, you know, you talked about that grind. You talked about that schedule, about what we endure and we sign up for to, to endure. And sometimes we bring along people with us to kind of sign up with us too and have to endure us. Uh, so what's, you know, how important is your support system? I think it's very important to have uh, someone or people in general just to share with uh, my circle tends to be a little bit smaller than maybe uh, other coaches might have, but I think it's all the more sweeter because um, now you, those, those intimate moments are that much more magnified and that much more memorable rather than sharing them with you know, 30 different people. And now it's you know, four or five people that yeah. or six people that, you know, I get to share it with. So I think the support system is great to have. Um, it's, it's not, I've gone through a point where you win things and you don't get to share with somebody or you don't get to share with, you know, a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and that's not as, it's not, it's fulfilling for sure, but it just doesn't have the same, uh, same experience as, you know, this year where I get to experience with more people. So I think, um, you're definitely correct in it. Vice versa, like when my, whenever, inevitably coaches will have their down years or have down moments. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not immune to that. No coach is immune to that. And I understand that at some point there's going to be a down point. And I think that that's where the support system has to be stronger than ever. Yeah. You know, I think just like, um, many coaches have always preached, uh, when they're talking to players, you know, when adversity hits, that shows you the true character of yourself and your team. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same thing with as a coach and just in life in general is that when adversity hits, it shows your true character. And, um, you know, I think you need that support system to help, you know, uh, redefine that or define it or develop whatever you want to say, that character in you to handle those, 
buzz down so that when you do eventually get back to your highs, like you know how to handle it and you handle it with more graciousness. And uh, I think, yeah, support system is 1,000%. You need that in your life. You need that as a coach because you're definitely going to have some years where you're going to have a few more losses than the win. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, for sure. It's just playing the numbers. You know, right. it's a numbers game at that point that, I don't know, man, unless you're Mike Krzyzewski and you can recruit it through the sky or, you know, th- those are so rare, though, those cases. But, yeah, I hear you. And I think every coach listening uh, has gone through it, you know, every single, you know, you go through every single human emotion, I believe, when you're a coach. Uh, and so to have a support system that's able to kind of comfort you through that, uh, encourage you through that, uh correct you even at times through that is definitely uh, a, a major uh, you know catalyst for your career for sure. and so I'd ask you now coach because I think you talk about self-awareness earlier and and I love I love that that uh, the idea of us growing in our self-awareness right uh, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career uh, I I've learned more recently um, that I am um, I'm immune to I guess moments, the big moments in the game. I guess maybe that makes me cut out for coaching. Uh, you know, my my girlfriend at, uh, right now she tells me all the time, like, oh, she'll say, she'll send me a text uh, after games, like that big bucket in the fourth quarter by Stewie, like you just sat there and clapped your hands. Like everybody else is jumping up and down. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Are you like a robot? Are you a cyborg? <laughs> so, you know, I think <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, I never noticed that about myself, I guess. And I just, maybe it's just me being even keel. Cause I do live, live that way. Uh, even yeah. just my day to day life, I don't get too high. don't get too low or try not to. Yeah. And, uh, I think, in games, it just helps you because as a coach, um, I think you just need to be able to think clearly and to be caught up in the emotions of the game, whether you're mad at the ref, whether, you know, it's a two point game and you know, you're whatever player just hit a three, like you have to be able to think clearly. And, uh, there's just so many distractions in the game. And if you're not thinking clear, if you're not focused, uh, I think it's very hard to do your job. And so I think just being, this this year alone, I learned that I'm a cyborg on the sideline, <laughs> according to my girlfriend. Um, That's funny, I think, I think uh, there's I I'm more I'm more of a basketball junkie than I think I want to admit or yeah. care to admit. You know, I think yeah. that um, there's a lot of times where I'm just <laughs> always trying to find it, and it's never a thing where I'm trying to be better than this person or that person. I just for whatever reason, I just have this w- weird passion to just find out more about basketball. I don't know. It's yeah. like, and it's weird things. I, a perfect example is just, uh, I think in the women's game, you know, the up and under move where, you know, for some reason, females will step under with that pivot foot yeah. and where that opposite pivot foot. And a lot of times, you know, men's players will think that's a travel. travel yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, they say, oh, you, if it was an NBA, they wouldn't call it. But, uh, you know, I, I'd spend like a good hour just looking up the rule book and texting people and like 
seeing and finding videos and I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely not true. That's that's definitely a legal move. Like yeah. just weird things like that where I just <laughs> I just want to find things out yeah, about yeah. like the history behind it or whatever. So yeah. um, so I think those those two things I've definitely come to figure out about myself. It's funny you said that. I was watching a uh, I think it was a Doctor Dish video or a clip, and they were talking about that move. And it was another trainer showing that move. And I thought to myself, man, you're doing a disservice because you know they're going to call that in high school. But then, you know, high school high school referees chime in, and they're like, no, it's a legal move. And, yeah, so it's funny you, you said that because we want to learn more about the game and as much as we can because we don't want to miss anything. If you're that type of person that you say you are, kind of even kill – and just robotic in in a sense in that you're just, you know, a great poker face type person. And, uh, yeah, you want to know more because you don't want to get caught off guard. Uh, and, and, and you want the slightest advantages. Uh, I think that's, that's part of your competitiveness. And that's great, Coach, because, you know, growth is everything for me it, within the game. Like, I want to grow as a person. I want to grow as a coach. I want to grow as a uh, mentor or grow as a uh, whatever that whatever the players need. For me, I just want to grow in that. And so, yeah, that that thirst for knowledge, uh, life, being a lifelong learner, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, Coach, my last question is always kind of about legacy, and you still got a long ways to go. So it's not like we're asking this question and, you know, you're saying goodbye. It's a farewell tour or anything, but – uh, I, I would just kind of like a working legacy for right now, like seeing where you want to, not necessarily where you want to be, but what you want, the foundation when you lay out for yourself for your, the end of your career, because we all say to ourselves, well, I don't really care about this and that. I just want to make sure X, Y, and Z. You know, and that's kind of what we want to get to. And so I would ask you, what would you want to be said of you when, right. when your career is all said and done? Uh, that's a good question. I think for me, it's for me, it's probably just um, inspiring people more than anything else. Uh, you know, I'm I'm from an Asian descent, um, more specifically Chinese, and uh, I think many people of my you know background, you know, have families that didn't necessarily grow up in this country. Uh, there's a set standard for them as a social norm, like we said before, you know, not to be stereotypical, but, you know, coaching isn't necessarily on top of that list uh, of things to do in the Asian culture. So um, I think that's number one thing is just to inspire people just to kind of follow their dreams, and but do it in the right way. Don't, you know, I, we talked about before and or I've alluded to, you know, coaches that kind of maybe aren't or, or aspiring coaches that, don't necessarily do things because uh, they're they have the heart of gold per se. You know, they're doing it because they just want to be on TV. They're doing it because they want to say they know this player or that player. Or they're just doing it because they put the gear or something, something kind of um, uh, dumb like that. But I think uh, for me, it's the legacy is that I did it the right way. Um, you know, I grinded. I worked my butt off. Uh, you know, the opportunities. Uh, were very, very hard to come by. Um, and that although on the outside looking in, it may have looked like it was a breeze to get to this point. And, but 
uh, if you know the story, if you know the backstory, that it was definitely a process. It was a long, arduous road just to get to this point. Um, and so eventually, like you said, I'm, I am quite young. I'm, I guess, considered still a baby in this industry. But uh, eventually, you know, it's just uh, the, the reputation is more important to me than anything else. I just want that reputation that, you know, if you hire me or if, you're, if I'm on your staff or if I'm your head coach, that, you know you're going to get a person that was that's always prepared, that's always going to do the right things, always going to treat people the right way, that's always going to put the players first, that's always going to be the first one in the gym, um, you know, whether it's watching film or working on a player or whatever it is. Uh, I think that goes a long way because I'm, I'm not necessarily the type of person that talks, you know, getting me on a podcast and having me talk is about as talkative as I'm going to get because I'm not going to, you put me in a room, I'm probably not going to be the guy that's going to talk about myself a lot. So yeah. uh, I like to let my work speak for itself. And uh, I think that's more than, more than anything. I think that eventually shows uh, it may take, it's a longer process for sure. You know, I don't, I'm not going to sit there when I first meet you and talk to you by myself, but eventually after a couple of weeks, you'll notice me. I'm the first one in. you'll notice that I'm, Get my work done. You'll notice, you know, how detailed I am. You'll notice those little things. So, um, eventually, the, once you get to that point, um, I think, you know, people disrespect you that much more. Um, and honestly, if you do that, you know, you just, you don't kind of put your foot in your mouth and you say things that you, maybe you don't don't necessarily or can't live up to, or you say things that you know quite aren't, aren't quite true about yourself, and you don't really put your foot in your mouth, but if you just kind of keep your head down and just keep grinding to the headstone like i think uh i think people will notice that and i think eventually just good things will just happen and that's just my belief now saying that you know in two years i might not be where i want to be or maybe there might be a big detour in my career who knows but uh, as long as i'm still doing things the right way as long as i'm still putting forth the right effort uh no matter where i'm at i think that's more than anything the reputation i want to build the legacy Coach Perry, thank you so much. I do appreciate your time. I really do. It's been great. I'll tell you one thing about your reputation, man. You, you're building a reputation that if somebody's hi that if somebody hires you and you stay long enough, they're bound to win a championship with you, you know, bringing that kind of vibe. <laughs> and uh, so that's great, man. And, and, so, yeah, and also congratulations on your championship, man. I mean, I can't say that enough because uh, it really is a phenomenal experience, I'm sure. Uh, an accomplishment that like you talked about earlier uh how how kind of difficult it was going to be from the onset and uh so that 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 doesn't go you can wear you can't you can't wear that point out so congratulations on that coach and here again thank you for being on with us appreciate you having me